Uh, good evening to everybody uh, in the church and those who are online. Um, it's our popular church Bible study in which we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 13, but before doing so, or some verses in Proverbs 13, before doing so, I'm going to ask the Lord's help. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have granted us your word, uh, which is a light to our feet and a a lamp to our path. It's a, uh, Lord, it's a revelation of the future, of the past, and of our present life. And Father, we thank you. It is ultimately the word of uh, all about Jesus. It focuses upon the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, contains his teaching, and um, makes it possible for his servants to be fruitful in uh, living for him. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you will open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word this evening. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to be starting at verse 9, verse 9, verse 9. And uh, so I'm going to read down to verse 20. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, I'm, I've, in this passage, it's quite a long passage, I've, I've decided to center my thinking and arrange my thinking um, for these Uh, sayings about different aspects of our life in verse 14 uh, which uh, says the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death now first of all we know uh, as we've been going through Proverbs that we have many repetitions of themes, words, even whole verses Now, that in itself is a message we've got to learn from. The the Bible is uh, is quite clear about uh, our human nature. We are extremely slow to learn, and we easily forget spiritual truths, and often we can get into habitual sins that we don't even realize we're getting into. And therefore, we have to have constant reminders 
from the word of God about the whole gamut of truth that is in the Bible and in the way of life. Um, Paul, when talking to the Romans, isn't, isn't embarrassed uh, when he, he admits to the fact that in the book of Romans he was repeating some truths that they already knew as believers. He says, uh, verse 15 of Romans 15, on some points I've written you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by, by God. And uh, to Peter um, has uh, the phrase, um, which is repeated, I intend to remind you. Um, so in uh, 2 Peter 1.13, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. And uh, earlier on, he said, I, I intend always to remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. And so even for people who are older Christians, it is important that when we see that, oh, this is a repetition, oh, I, I know this, that we actually do humble ourselves before the Lord and say, well, perhaps I need this dr- driving in with yet more um, another hammer blow into my, into my heart. Uh, in uh, the end of 2 Peter, in 2 Peter 3.1, He says, this is the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder. And uh, so when uh, in Proverbs 13, 14, which, as I said, we're centering um, the the verses around, um, the uh, writer of the Proverbs says, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. He is reinforcing the fact that in this world there are all kinds of death traps, spiritual death traps that surround the believers at every stage in their life. Whether we are a young Christian or whether we are a much older Christian. And the teaching of the wise, which really amounts to the teaching of the Bible, uh, is a fountain of life that one may turn away from these death traps. And uh, we are to, uh, in every sense, not, uh, we'll see later on that the the, the writer of Proverbs wants to make sure that we don't belittle, uh, underrate, uh, despise the word of God, both in the way it molds our minds and controls our speaking and um, uh, helps us uh, to live uh, for, for Christ as we should. So I want to, as I've said, look at uh, these um, proverbs in the light of the fact that we, firstly, are facing spiritual death traps all around us, which actually in this passage from uh, verses um, 9 to 20, there are various death traps that are actually mentioned um, in verse 9 to 20. And I want us to look at those and then also look at the way in which the fountain of life is something we can drink from and help to avoid these death traps. Now let's just mention some, if we go through it from verses 9 to 20, if you put your finger on verse 9, you'll see it talks about the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked, a false light, a deceiving light, will be put out. In verse 10, it talks about pride. Uh, One specific form of pride is insolence. Um, By insolence, by pride, other versions just translate it pride. 
By, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Uh, verse 11 talks about wealth gained hastily. The get-rich-quick mentality will simply will dwindle. It says here that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but we might as well say, you know, you know, put it as that the get-rich-quick mentality will also, will always come to grief. But whoever gathers little by little will increase his wealth. There are, in verse uh, 12, I think hope deferred makes the heart sick is talking, yes, it's, of course it's talking about the believer who may have uh, um, hopes that uh, aren't immediately realized, but I'm going to concentrate upon it in the context of the vain hopes of this world, the vain hopes of the unbeliever, and uh, a, a trap, of course, that we can get into as Christians to actually share in the vain hopes of money, fame, uh, career, uh, whatever, whatever things we have that we put all of our, you know, hope for our happiness in, rather in the Lord Himself. And uh, it goes on to talk in verse 13 about despising the word. And uh, it, in 14, it talks about, uh, that is the verse that we're centering it around, uh, the, the, the fountain of life that is the teaching of the wise. Uh, but then in verse 15, it, the way of the treacherous. And then the fool flaunting his folly in verse 16. And a wicked messenger in verse 17, and the person who ignores instruction in verse 18, and the terrible, the terrible um, description of the unbeliever and the fool. That turning away from evil is an abomination to the unbeliever. You know, as much as God is revolted by sin, so the fool is revolted by holiness. And finally, it talks about being a companion of fools. Now, all of those are traps we're going to look into briefly, and uh, also the, the, the fountain of life, which we've, uh, I've mentioned as, we, as, have we've, as we've gone through, through it. But let's uh, start, therefore, by looking at verse 9, uh, which says, The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Um, and I, uh, the um, King James Version, the light of the righteous burneth joyfully, joyously, and the lamp of the godless goes out. This is contrasting the great light and merely a lamp. But probably it's a, a reference to the sun, uh, which, you know, is, in biblical terms is the great light, um, uh, physical light that is set above uh, the earth. And comparing it with just the lamp of the wicked. Now, what, it's, what of course it's saying is this, is that the life of the wicked person, though it may burn comparatively brightly in a, in a dim, dark room of this world, and although the, uh, the, the famous and the, the rich and the powerful may impress those people living in the dim, dark world that we live in, actually, of course, the lamp will soon run out of, of its fuel and it will splutter and die in the darkness compared to the, the wonderful ever-living light that comes from God himself and, of course, from our Lord Jesus Christ. John says, doesn't he, that 
don't love the world and things in the world because the things of the world, you know, the lust of the flesh, the pride, pride of life, the lust of the eyes, these things pass away. They splutter and fade. But the one who does the will of God, the one who loves God, lives forever. And it is a wonderful thing that uh, we're told, aren't we, in Scripture about the light of the world that came into this world in Jesus. And, and he who believes in me, Jesus said, will have the light of life. And, and it's a wonderful privilege that you have if you believe in Jesus. That light of life is within you and it's, gonna, it's going to carry on burning within your life into eternity. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day, which verse we looked at uh, many months ago in, in Proverbs chapter 4. And although we may be aware of our sin and failure, through Christ we are forgiven. We may walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so when, uh, when the, the, proverb, the, proverb, the writer of the Proverbs uh, talks about um, this uh, light of the righteous rejoices, it should encourage us as believers to be rejoicing in the light in which we, in which we now walk. We rejoice in the grace and wonderful love of a saviour who cleanses us from the deepest and nastiest and darkest and multitudinous of sins and happily burns brightly and rejoices in burning in our lives through his Holy Spirit he's given to us. And uh, we might say that this is part of the fountain of life. This is part of this glorious uh, flow of grace to the world. Uh, to us, us people, that we actually now, as as we uh, as we gaze into the glory of Christ day by day, as we depend upon Him, we are changed from one degree of glory to another, and there's a, a bright light burning within us, and we are to rejoice in it. We are to rejoice in its bright brightness. Now, um, you may see that uh, he go, he goes on uh, to say, uh, uh, having contrasted the light of the righteous rejoices but the lamp of the wicked will be put out Uh, the light that was within the believer uh, is growing and flowing and growing strong whereas the the darkness overcomes the uh, overcomes the spluttering lamp of the wicked but then he goes on to warn of the fact that by insolence or pride comes strife with those who take advice, but with those who take advice, is wisdom. Now, what does this mean? Well, I, I've said already that most translations use the simple word pride, but insolence is a form of pride, isn't it? Um, insolence is a rudeness to someone who knows, or sh- you know, in human terms, should know better than you, who is wiser, greater, older, has a more solid experience of life, a more solid basis on which. Uh, to give advice than you. The insolent person simply insults uh, the wise wise man. Now, there is this sense in which, of course, Christians maybe actually fall into the trap of spiritual insolence. Uh, And I don't mean this just on the human level. It can happen on the human level. But obviously in relation to our Father in heaven. 
we may simply refuse to actually follow the clear teaching of the word of God in certain areas. Now, if we look at our society, in fact, not just today, but let's take it back 150 years, we can see that Western society in many ways has uh, fulfilled uh, the teaching of Scripture. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And um, the psalmist goes on to talk about the, the wickedness that follows through from atheism. Now, atheistic... Christian teaching, seems, a, seems a, a, a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? But 150 years ago, atheistic Christian teaching became dominant in many churches in the West, both in Germany and in Britain. And when I mean atheistic Christian teaching, it's a Christian teaching that denies the power and presence and purpose of the God revealed in the Bible. The so-called Christian teachers, or the liberal theology of hundred years, 150, 100 years ago, uh, were men who actually uh, claimed they had a, a better God to present to the world than the God of the Bible, the God of miracles, the God who revealed himself in Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and above all in the person of Jesus Christ. And they claimed that their theology was a much better guide for people and for society than what they called the barbaric and crude legends of a, of a pre-scientific society. And the result is, of course, many millions of people in the West lost their childhood belief in the Bible and in in Christian truth. Now, if I give an example, um, I read, uh, I know, autobiography that my father had had many years, and I read it many years ago, by Fritz von Papen, who was a chancellor of Germany before Hitler came to power. And in fact, in many ways... um, Although he wasn't a Nazi, he, he, his own foolish uh, political behavior made it easier for uh, Hitler to become leader of Germany. But he, after the war, wrote a book, uh, wrote his autobiography. And in it, I remember reading it and being quite struck by it. He, he said that liberal theology in Germany had created the moral vacuum that paved the way for the Nazis. In other words, the fools that had said in their heart, there is no God of the Bible... In robbing people, the people of Germany with a solid rock on which they could guide their behavior made the way for the irrational political hatred of Nazism and the mass murder of Jewish people and the mass murder, for that matter, of political opponent, opponents and some Christians as well. The insolence, the insolence of uh, people who reject the absolute teaching of the Word of God leads to nothing but strife. And uh, we should have a horror of it. We should have a horror of it, of hearing men or women who deny um, the scriptures. Um, but of course, there's another pride that, that uh, takes place, not just in society, but in the church. Uh, one example, though we could look at others, is in Colossians 2.18. Now, um, in Colossians 2.18, Paul is talking about a tendency within that that geographical region of um, false teachers who um, were emphasizing their spirituality. But it ultimately was a godless uh, spirituality. It says, let no one in uh, chapter 2 and verse 18 of Colossians, page 1169, it says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink 
or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Now, these men, uh, who had crept into the church in Colossae, claimed through the visions, spiritual experiences they had, to have a superior way of, uh, of uh, uh, Christian life, and were adding on to the Bible something which was not there. The Bible didn't say you had to uh, follow all kinds of rules about eating and asceticism, which means kind of denying the body of going through all kinds of hardship, supposedly to bring you closer to God. But this, this of course, was nothing to do with New Testament teaching. But these men claimed that they, they'd had visions of angels. Uh, the Old Testament prophets talked about uh, false prophets who dreamed dreams, but they were dreams, only their own dreams. They weren't, they weren't anything from God. They were just pure fabrications of their own deceitful minds that gave them ideas and caused them to be puffed up and claimed to be teaching God's word actually in direct contradiction to the teaching of uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, in this case, of course, to the teaching of Jesus and his apostles. Now, we have to be careful about that. We have to be careful, uh, obviously, for false teaching in the church where and people are taking their stands on visions and so-called prophecies and so-called words of knowledge and these kind of things. We have to be very careful about that. But we also, obviously, as Christians, have to be really careful about spiritual pride because even amongst the orthodox, amongst the very sound evangelical reformed Baptists, pride can cause us to become spiritually insolent and then start misreading the word of God, giving advice not based on the word, but our own, our own, uh, the way our, our own uh, pride has led us. We, but we also need, of course, to understand that insolence, it just doesn't refer, I don't think, and pride uh, can apply to false teaching, but I think in, in the Christian life today it can also refer to the fact that many of us evangelical Christians refuse to submit our behavior completely to the word of God. There are certain areas of our life which we've allowed those areas to go unsubdued. We've allowed those areas of our lives sometimes to remain unholy and we're not trying to do anything about it. Now, of course, we are uh, we're sinners by nature and we, are not, we will never be perfect this side of glory, but sometimes we make an excuse for our own, our own failures by, by just not challenging them in our own lives. And what does it mean when we say Jesus is Lord? In, 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 uh, when Paul is talking to, to uh, people about prophecy, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And anybody who says Jesus is accursed... Is, is obviously not speaking by the Holy Spirit. Applying this to prophecy, we can, you know, we can see that its application, but also this applies in our own lives. 
The Lord wants us to be able to confess Jesus as Lord in reference to our thought life, as well as the way we speak and the way we behave. And many of us, and I say myself, need to challenge myself. God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that confession that Jesus is Lord is meant to be an assertion also of his lordship upon every area of our life. In 2 Corinthians 10, where Paul admittedly was talking about um, his debates with philosophers and, and false teachers, he talks about we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, that was a specific application uh, to, to uh, uh, the way um, the Lord can capture the hearts and minds of false teachers and, uh, and, and uh, uh, debaters and, and, and cast down their arguments and, and lead them to obey Christ in their thought life. But I think by extension this does apply to us in our, in our day-to-day living. Is Jesus Lord of our thought life? Well, now, now of course, if, if suddenly we think something cruel, nasty, uh, or lustful, or, uh, or um, horrible about someone, that may, may happen. But our response should be, Jesus is Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please forgive me. Because you are my Lord. You are exalted to the right hand of the Father in glory. And you're meant to be the king of of my life. Please forgive me for that. We need to uh, do this. Otherwise, we are being like, I believe, the the writer of the Proverbs is talking about the insolent. If we sin without without, uh, being convicted, without challenging ourselves over those sins in our life, then we are actually taking for granted um, our, our place in the kingdom. And by insolence comes nothing but strife. And this applies, of course, in, in, uh, in, in directly, of course, to, to um, pride-causing wars, pride in the external world, pride-causing family breakups, pride pride causing relationship breakups, employment problems because of strife that becomes because proud people are clashing heads and we as a proud person may be clashing heads but also there's a strife between the soul and God and pride causes a break up not a complete break up but causes a breakage in our ongoing relationship with the Lord so we need to we need to not despise the word of God um, Proverbs 3, sorry, Proverbs 13, um, verse uh, 13 says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. And uh, I, I want to just um, move on to 13. I will return to the other two verses in a second. But uh, verse 13, Whoever despises the word brings destruction to himself, he reveres the commandment will be rewarded. And I want us to notice that the Bible constantly offers this this reward, isn't it, to those uh, who obey the word. Malachi 3 verse 16, it says, 
Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Now, isn't this a a marvellous picture of the Lord in his wisdom or mighty mind and, and, and power looks down and sees everyone and sees those who, who really do revere his commandments. They talk to one another about his word. They love his word. And the Lord pays attention to us and hears us if we are those people. And he remembers us in a book, the book of life. Psalm 19 verse 11 says, Moreover, by them, the commandments of God, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And uh, Paul says, while bodily training is of some value, 1 Timothy 4, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There is a, a reward in this life for keeping the commandments of God. There is a, and that reward, of course, is the blessings of the Holy Spirit, of the assurance uh, of uh, the presence of Christ, of the joy of uh, joy in the Lord, and the contentment that comes through godliness and with godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain, he says in the same book. And uh, this, this, the, 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 the word of God enables us to. Um, Enjoy the fountain of life, bringing life to our innermost being. Now, um, if I can now go back to those previous uh, those previous verses, um, which is um, verse eleven: Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Now. This, of course, is what we might say a very practical wisdom. Um, the writer is saying that uh, if someone suddenly comes into a vast amount of money through, say, gambling or a lottery, or perhaps he gets a, a massive inheritance right out of the blue and is unprepared for it, in so many cases that money gets blown very quickly. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. There is some possibilities that, uh, I, I think that, that, that this might be referring, of course, because the writer of the Proverbs frequently does talk about ill-gotten gains, about wealth gained by, by murder and by oppression and by deceit and by injustice. So it may be referring to that as well. But it is basically, it is basically putting forward a, a, very, uh, a very simple thing, simple thing which has been a, a great guide down the ages um, to men and women learning to kind of cope with the difficulties of life and learning how to look after their families in the struggle to, you know, to keep their families fed and a roof over their heads, which is not to set their hearts upon, oh, if only I could get all of that money, but rather gathering little by little, laboring, working, um, hard and gradually building up that security that people need in their life. The Bible does promise that he, God will bless those who labor in their works. 
Um, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. And uh, people people talk about the, uh, um, the, the way in which the reform movement, Calvinism in particular, uh, changed the attitude of, of northern Europeans to work. And, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the Calvinist work ethic, ethic and so on. Um, but, of course, it's a biblical work ethic. We are meant to work hard and provide um, for our, our own uh, families and then also, also to help the poor. But the person who desires a sudden-blown riches while well, they're living in a, in a cloud cuckoo land, and even if they were to actually become rich, the very fact that they don't have that work ethic means that they will blow all that money very quickly, in many cases at least. But I think this also actually can apply to in the spiritual life as well. Um, various kinds of spiritualities, you know, kind of hit um, the fashion of the age of a, of a generation. Uh, and one, you know, of, certainly of my when I was younger, my generation was this idea that you'd suddenly have an experience which totally transformed your life. You were filled with the Spirit. You were baptized by the Spirit. You received something. And from then on, you, had, you were going you know, on, on the upward traje- trajectory. Or you actually stayed, I suppose, on a plateau of a wonderful experience. Um, and uh, Pentecostal and men- non-Pentecostal people often felt fo- followed that kind of second blessing kind of experience. But I want us to notice that... W- you know, this verse encourages us to think about the fact that gradual labor in the Lord, seeking the Lord day by day, praying and, 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 and enjoying his presence and studying his word, little by little, by one degree of glory to another, we are transformed into his likeness. And we should not, um, you know, be, you know, deceived by these grand... Uh, um, meetings with thousands of people going along and some person claiming a special anointing, come forward and have your life transformed. Well, no. Let's stick with the fountain of life, the word of God, the Bible. Let's stick with, um, with that. Let's not, uh, let's not put our, our reliance on vain hopes. It says in verse uh, uh, 12, doesn't it? Hope defers, deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, of course, it is true that for, for, for many of us in life, we do. there are things that we pray for for many months, sometimes years. Uh, there are heartbreaks. There are people that we love that are sick and we're, we're looking for their he- healing from God if, if it be his will. And it may not be his will. And, and our, you know, we have those heartbreaks in life when people that we love pass away when uh, we perhaps we have uh, problems with employment things happen in our marriages and so on and so forth make life difficult and um, certainly I don't think the psalmist is only talking about is only talking here about sinful hopes Um, hope deferred does make the heart sick that is true but I I, I do think it's perfectly um, a perfectly legitimate for me also to make um, uh, an inference about the vain hopes of this world. 
Because ultimately, um, the people of this world, the men and women of this world, uh, have their dreams. Now those dreams so often prevent them coming to Christ. They want to be acceptable to the world. And therefore, they're not going to take the side of the Galilean carpenter who, who, who died on the cross and was excluded by the rich and the famous. They're not going to take the side of, uh, of the fools. The Bible says that you must be prepared to become a fool uh, for Christ. If you wish to become wise, you will be treated like a fool. Well, a lot of people, their dream is to be acceptable. Their dream, perhaps, is, is, is for money and ease. When Christ calls people to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Their dreams, you know, are for, are for sinful things, which the Bible specifically outlaws. But their dreams are those things. Now, the thing is this, as I've mentioned already, these hopes and dreams will always fail uh, in, it, uh, in, in, in the long run, simply because death will put an end to all of their dreams. But even in this life, people will not, uh, will not find joy and peace in those things. Um, I've mentioned this fact before, but I, I call it the millionaireless. Um, the millionaireless. Um, of the fact that having, people having investigated um, uh, what millionaires' view is on what makes for happiness, the vast majority of millionaires say, well, I'm not happy yet, just a few more million will make me happy, though. And, and we have this, this ridiculous paradox that these men who, and women who have vast amount of money that we, you know, we couldn't probably uh, handle uh, actually still aren't happy but feel, oh, if I just had a bit more, I'd be happy. These vain hopes that they, people will find happiness even through family life. Uh, you meet many occasions... Uh, people that hoped, oh, I, I get married and I have children, I'll be happy. And, that, and then they find that their children pose massive problems to them. Their children forget them. Uh, I, I, can, I can remember a lady I, I knew once that w was so upset and angry that she'd spent so much time with her nephews when they were babies, when they were toddlers, when they were teenagers just doted on them and treated it was with them all the time helping them and etc and now they're in their 20s they never phone or never contact her at all and so disappointed and people you know people have these hopes and dreams of what will make them happy and then they find well actually um they don't actually have it but of course uh the the, the, the writer of the Proverbs talks about a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, that again could be referring to the person who, who gains those hope. Oh, it would be a great tree of life to them. But this is certainly a reference, I believe, that we can apply to believers now. You have within you this wonderful access to the tree of life. Psalm 17 verse 15 says... As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Every day, every day, you have that opportunity to be satisfied with your Lord. Every day, you have the chance to rejoice and be happy and at peace 
with the Lord. Peter says in 1 Peter verse chapter 1 verse 8, Though you have not seen him physically, you, you haven't seen Jesus physically, but though you haven't seen him, you love him. You have faith in him and then you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Tree of life, that is, that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, says the psalmist in Psalm 16, verse 6. That's the NIV translation. My inheritance is a wonderful, wonderful place. Your inheritance as a Christian is a wonderful place in which you may know the joy of the Lord day by day. And uh, we, uh, as, as we see that uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. But we see that um, verse uh, 13, which we've already mentioned, that whoever despises the word brings destruction to himself. We have fulfillment in Christ day by day and into eternity. But the person who, who despises and turns away from the word is just bringing destruction to himself for eternity. Whereas verse 14 tells us the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may, one may turn away from the snares of death. But I, I want us you know, to notice this, that the fountain of life is an expression used of not just the Bible, but of God himself. In you is the fountain of life. In your light, light we see light. God himself is the fountain of life. The great pouring forth of infinite grace from this wonderful fountain of God to sinful people who may approach him and may receive his grace. But of course, Jesus mediates that grace. Jesus is the fountain of life. He who believes in me, who may come, he who believes and may, may, may ask of me and you may receive living water. He said that to the Samaritan woman and he also said this to the crowds um, in Jerusalem. And of course, the actual word of God itself, the Bible itself, is the place in which we meet the living Christ. If my word dwells in you, if, I, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It is a blessed thing to know this fountain of life. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, by a fountain of life, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so, finally, I just want to look at a... a, a um, uh, a, a few uh, points to finish. Um, we see that uh, in verse 15 and 16, it talks about the importance of, that this man or woman who is, who is uh, enjoying the fountain of life, enjoying the word of God, receiving it and obeying it, he shows judgment. Good sense wins favor, and this good judgments that we make 
means that um, we are, are acceptable in our lives to the Lord, but also, of course, we find that people actually um, will respect us. Um, it's one of the things that Scripture tells us about is that uh, um, Jesus, you know, grew in, in wisdom, and and he was he was as as he as he grew up and and he started to preach and teach. People could see and acknowledge and respected him. Now we know, of course, that there was another force at work within sinners to rebel against against him. But the Bible tells us that uh, those who um, serve the Lord will win the respect of many unbelievers, and we should seek that respect. But we see also that not only uh, is the prudent man someone who wins favor, um, but in his prudence, he is constantly acting with knowledge. Now, this is something that should um, challenge us, um, again, ourselves. How much do we, in all of our actions, really guide ourselves by the word of God? And and why it's important to, to keep on studying and looking at the word of God, looking at our lives as we grow older in our life. Um. It's important, not only that, that we should also be faithful and responsible messengers. Uh, Verse 17, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. The wicked messenger is the the lazy one. The writer of the Proverbs talks about the the, the sluggard is is a person that uh, is uh, not faithful to to what he's been called to do. Uh, he's he's uh, an irritation, like vinegar to the teeth, to the one who sent him. Um, we are, as uh, believers, to understand that we carry the, carry the message. We carry the message not merely in our words, but we carry the message in the life that we live. Jesus said that, you know, so let your light shine before men that they, they may, you know, uh, see your good works and give glory uh, to the Lord. Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honoured. And uh, I just want us to notice uh, that, of course, how important it is that we as believers should not ever be in a situation where we enter uh, the, the, the mindset of the, of the fool. Verse uh, 8, uh, sorry, verse 19, a desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. And uh, we should seek that we should, with the Lord's help, never have this, this attitude of the world of finding holiness unattractive, finding holiness abominable. Of, of turning away from the right and the holy way and the way of light for the way of darkness. The sweetness of a, uh, a desire of a fulfilled desire to do a sin becomes a poison. Whereas there's everlasting joys. There are God's right hand, and we shouldn't be taking the poison. We shouldn't be taking um, the, the, the 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 fatal draft of sin, which is sweet to the taste, but is poisonous as it goes down into our spirit and soul. 
We are to enjoy the fountain of life, and we're to enjoy it in fellowship. Verse, uh, if we find a look at uh, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. Now, how important it is for us to continue to enjoy Christian fellowship, whether it be, you know, as tonight we're quite small as a body of people here, or whether it's in a large church, wherever it is, we should seek constant fellowship. Um, as a student, I can remember clearly, uh, I went to the Christian Union at my university uh, for the first uh, month or two, uh, but I remember looking around uh, about halfway through the term, and there was I, trendy, <laughs> Worldly, I suppose you might say, oh, I was a Christian, but I mean, I, 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 you know, I like to be trendy and acceptable to my friends and everything. I looked around, I saw all of these old-fashioned, boring other students, and I remember thinking, where would I rather be? And I thought, I'd rather be here <laughs> with them, <laughs> listening to the word of God. <laughs> you know, now that was the Lord who uh, enabled me to make that particular choice. You know, rather to be with the people of God than, you know, to, to, to taste the pleasures of sin for a, for a season. And it didn't take me long to totally kind of grow up and no longer, you know, desire to be trendy and, and acceptable and, and so on. You know, we are companions. We are companions, not of, the fo- of fools, but walking with the wise. Psalm 119, verse 63 I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. And it's so important to carry on coming to church. Uh, Whatever state your life is in, get along uh, to be with the people of God. Um, uh, Watching on Zoom and and, uh, listening to sermons and watching sermons is good. But what is better is actually to be with Christians. Because, of course, you can have a... A much more uh, lengthier chat with uh, believers when you when you're together with them, and you can uh, deepen your friendship, and you can stir each other up to love and good works, as it says in Hebrews ten twenty four. And so, uh, let's uh, finish by um, thinking about Isaiah sixty six two. All these things my hand has made, says the Lord. And all of these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He was humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And uh, I think the whole of this passage has been the the fountain of life. It's all about the word of God and how we should be uh, grateful, thankful, happy uh, and uh, uh, obedient to this word. And uh, how important it is for us uh, and for the Lord, it is so important for him that we should be people who are humble and contrite and, uh, and trembles at his word. So let's do, just finish in a word of prayer and then we'll have a, a discussion. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word tonight and we pray that you will um, help us, Lord, to uh, day by day and hour by hour um, be aware of your presence and uh, meditate upon your word and, and be able to, little by little, Lord, uh, by one degree of glory to another, be transformed into Jesus' likeness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.